I'm Chris Maffeo, a drinks industry advisor and founder of Maffeo Drinks, host of the Maffeo Drinks podcast. In this episode, I had the pleasure to interview Brad Crompton, who's a director at Spirits of Bermondsey, the company behind Trinity 25, which is a botanical session spirit that has 25% ABV, as the name suggests, and it's aimed at gin lover and people that are looking for a more moderate drinking and for an alternative to gin. Um, Brad and I met um, a couple of months ago on LinkedIn. He reached out to me, asking me to be a guest writer and write an article about building from the bottom up in um, into his ma magazine, which is called Session Magazine. And I thought it was really, really smart the way they create demand before going into capturing demand because they created this magazine that is not only talking about their brand, but it's talking about their overall uh, category. So um, instead of doing this me, me, me kind of approach, they really take a, a stand for the category on the overall no and low alcoholic beverages. They give a voice also to their competitors, which is really smart and very generous. And, um, and they basically talk about the category and they teach people and consumers uh, about the category, whether they are consumers or, or um, customers and bartenders, bar owners and industry people. Uh, the other thing that is very interesting for me is that they are really cluster clear into the category, which is something I always talk about, like build your own category. Uh, they focus very much on a clear occasion, which is session spirits. And they are so, uh, you know, um, clear about it that they even trademarked that name, session spirits, um, which is a very big commitment into your messaging if you are even trademarking it. So um, this is a very interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it will be in uh, two sessions, one focusing on the hunting part and the other one focusing on the farming part. So let's dive in and join me. Welcome to the Maffeo Drinks podcast. So today we have Brent Crompton here. Hi, Brent. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you. How are you doing, Chris? Good. good. So where are you calling from? Um, I'm based in London. Um, I was going to say sunny old London, but it's never sunny here. It's quite overcast. So. Yeah, but I can see some some light into in into ah, the that, glasses. That's fake. So, so. That's fake. That's, <laughs> that's my internal lights. That's a fake light. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So um, let's uh, let, let's dive into some of the questions that I prepared for you. So, as you know, um, in this episode we will talk. We will focus about the hunting side of of things. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the next one, we'll talk about the, the farming side of things. So how the, in the first one, we'll talk about how do we go from, you know, how do we sell the first bottle to bars? And then we'll go into how we sell, um, you know, from one bottle, how do we go to one case? So Perfect. tell me uh, and tell us about um, your brand, your product and how uh, you are, um, um, you're working with it. So. Before you dive in, uh, how how do you create demand for for your brand? It's a really good question um, <clears throat> because it does feel like we are actually hunting. It's really, it's, really, it's a really accurate uh, phrase to use. It does feel like a hunt. Uh, no, so I think we try to be quite creative in how we um, go about sort of hunting new brands and, and, and growing demand for our brand. 
um, because I feel like our product being what it is, a, a session spirit, it does fall in between the gap uh, between two very popular areas of the industry, so alcohol-free and and full strength. And it's very clear that the the growing demand of the industry seems to be focusing on those two areas. And we sit right in the middle, which means, well, it's good and bad, really. So the the bad thing could be that with no sort of um, with no current audiences focusing on that area, it's very hard to grow demand. And that's one way to look at it. You know, it's no one's there. Who do you show it to? Um, but the good thing is it means we've been able to actually start to create our own demand and our own sort of sector and our own category um, within that space. So one of the main things that we've been doing is we've created what I believe to be the first magazine which uh, balances alcohol-free and fully um, or full alcohol. And we've been reaching out and working with different specialists in the industry, uh, different brands who are sort of making moves on either side of the fence, uh, which we seem to sit on. And uh, we've just been promoting and shouting about and learning more about the industry that way. And because we sit at the center of that magazine, it's been a really great way for us to grow demand uh, for what we do, but also by um, using experts in the industry to kind of to really highlight what we're doing is the right thing, um, which has, has been quite powerful, really. So that is one way we try to grow demand. How, how, how did you manage to bring in all your, let's call it competitors in uh, or in, let's say, you know, ecosystem around that, that magazine that you have created to, to, to create demand? How we've managed to get our competitors um, involved is we've taken the people approach that people buy from people. And, um, and we thought if we can kind of combine uh, working with our competitors and shouting about the good things that they're doing, because, you know, most of them are, uh, you know, much further ahead than we are in the industry. So not only are they going to be able to share experience, which um, people in the industry can, can use, but so can we. And so we can, we can learn from that. And we try and build a community focus, a very kind of, um, you know, we're all in this magazine together. We're all trying to grow in this space together. I found it to be a very collaborative approach with the magazine, but also in the, in the industry too. And, um, any, any brand within a growing sector, the better that they do, the wider they open the door for brands alongside them. So our approach has been, look, we're all growing in this together, allow us to do the hard work and create this magazine, which showcases all the good work that we're doing allows us to promote your product. Um, and as a result, you know, we're going to create content, which you want to share and we're going to create content that people want to read. So by all the, the brands and uh, collaborators and guest authors, uh, you included, um, who would then, you know, see value in what we've done to their story and want to share that, that helps our reach as well. Nice. Nice. So it's a very collaborative approach. 
Nice, I like that. And and I mean, like when I, when you contacted me like some some time ago, when uh, you know, and, and thanks for for uh, having me as a guest uh, writer. No, thank you. Um, it, it was very interesting for me because it's it, it's one of the few examples, to be honest, of what I what I talk about in terms of building demand before capturing demand. Because I feel a lot of people, a lot of brands and brand owners are going directly into the capturing demand kind of mode on really going into the bars and explaining the product, the features, but talking me, me, me kind of thing without yeah. having, you know, like explaining what, what their, what their, what their category is and why do that bar needs that category? So what's the needs you're trying to, uh, to solve and to, and to support. Uh, and I really felt like, wow, like this, this thing is like, sounds like, you know, Brad hasn't, you know, still hasn't mentioned the brand name. He hasn't mentioned the, 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 a category, a specific category of, let's say, from what we know of a category. So gin, whiskey, you know, agave spirits and so on. Like, and I love the, the terminology like session spirits. That's why, you know, when you, when you said it, I said like, wow, this is really like a category. And, and, uh, and, and if we go into like a step forward into the, into the bar, you know, when you approach bars and, you know, understanding where you want to play, mm -hmm. how, how do you, uh, how do you see that, you know, those bars reacting to that session spirit kind of proposition? Yeah, it's really interesting because some really go for it and buy into it straight away and others need a bit more swaying. And I found the difference between the two um, comes down to one factor and that factor is how they've bought into the alcohol free market already. So, you know, so our, my main, my kind of main introduction, oh, can't even talk. my main introduction to a new bar is I use stats, which the alcohol free industry are promoting, but I twist it slightly. So uh, in the UK, there was a really big um, article recently, I think it might have been in the Times or the Telegraph about a few months ago, which came out and said that um, in a recent survey, 54% of the UK are looking to moderate or reduce their alcohol intake. Mm. Now, if you're an alcohol-free brand, you know, you have um, kind of money signs rolling in your eyes when you, when you see that, right? Because They'll take that and they'll share that. And it's, you know, our, it's working. We're doing the right thing. We're pushing the, 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 the door in the right direction. Now I take that and say, great. It makes sense that people want to reduce their alcohol, but I can't see anywhere in the sentence where it says they want to remove alcohol. They just want to reduce it. And, um, right now in the industry, you have two options. If you want to moderate your alcohol intake. The first one is you go to a bar and you have to either buy an alcoholic drink and then an alcohol free drink and alternate that way mm. in order for you to moderate your, your alcohol across a certain time period. Now don't get me wrong. There's lots of great alcohol free products. You know, alcohol free beer is I think a great product, but when it comes to spirits, I think there's a slight, um, blocker in the fact that you're paying the same price. Um, I, I understand why, because the process is still the same, but I think most people aren't ready to spend 10 pounds on a gin and tonic 
and then 10 pound on an alcohol-free gin and tonic yeah. and keep doing that throughout, throughout the evening. The other option is if um, you just drink less, you just consume less drinks over that time period. Again, on a social occasion, you know, if you're nursing one or two drinks across the hour with a spirit, it's going to melt. It's going to go a bit, a bit kind of flat. It's, going, it's not going to be the best experience. You can't get involved in rounds with your friends. It just means that it's you know, not ideal. So, um, so I go into bars and say, look, 54% of people don't want to, or want to drink less, but the two options they have currently aren't ideal. What if I can, can give you an, uh, an outcome which allows them to drink uh, twice as many drinks before they get drunk? Because moderation is them saying, I want to get less drunk. So I just said to the bar, look, I can offer you a solution which allows you to sell twice as many drinks for people who are, want, to, want, want to moderate than you would do if they were, you know, just drinking less or not wanting to alternate. So that's my main, my main thing. So I use, I use stats, which the alcohol free industry have already pushed for me. And then I just said, look, are you selling many? Is it working? Um, so, and a bar, I guess to my earlier point, uh, a bar manager can say, look, we love alcohol free drinks. It's working really well. Um, you know, um, we're very happy with that, or we've already gone and purchased, you know, 20 alcohol free products, you know, I want to, I want to sell those first or, you know, that they're going quite well. I don't want to sort of overpower my bar with very, very low alcohol products because obviously shelves are only so big. Um, or others just say, um, you know, we, we, we have no interest in that at all. And some bars don't really don't buy into alcohol free. Um, so it's, it's, it's trying to find that balance really trying to find, um, who buys into it, who doesn't, is it working for them? Is it not? And we just adjust that conversation. And do they, do they try, like, what's interesting for me, Lisa, like it, I mean, it's very clever what you do on, on, you know, making a twist on, on an existing category, because I mean, like the no trend has, you know, has, has been quite developed, I mean, especially in the UK, because I think. I think mainly like the UK and some other markets, probably the US, but you know, in some other European markets is still behind. I mean, here in Prague, no, no options are very, very low uh, mm-hmm. or low options. And, uh, and I really like that, but how do they, let's say it's clear to you, but like from, uh, from their perspective, so to say, um, from the bar, bar owner perspective, like do they try to kind of like cluster you in, gin or you know like do they try to divert that conversation into i've I've already got like 10 gin brands i don't need your yeah do they they try to basically like you know not listen and say and bring the conversation towards their uh understanding of the category yeah definitely and they used to before we um well before i spoke to you really chris and and before um we had a really good chat didn't we? we we talked about um I guess this, this point exactly, you know, um, if I go to a bar and because we're a gin based and I say that we're, we're, we're a gin alternative or we're gin based and they go, great, I've already got 10 gins. And you very rightly said to me, well, it's not just the selling of my product. It's also the removal of a different product to make room for me, which makes it a double sell. Um, I need to sell my product and prove that it's better than a product they've already bought from somewhere else. Uh, which is which is very difficult. So, 
yes, they used to do that. And they used to even say, look, we have 10 gins. We probably sell a lot of two of them and the rest kind of sit there if they have a preference or they want a premium version. Where am I going to fit yours in? I've not even heard of it. Mm. Whereas now, since we've uh, we've trademarked the Session Spirit category, we have changed our um, our attack really to trying to find uh, find the bars which understand what we do and buy into what we do. And rather than trying to remove other other brands to fit ours in, uh, we're looking to build a new shelf for us to sit on. Um, and start our own category and start a row and make our own room because you're right. You know, we, I wouldn't say we compete with, you know, other gin brands. I was going to name drop them, but I, you know, any gin brands, um, I wouldn't say we compete with them because, you know, we're not even officially a gin, We're not allowed to say that we're a gin unless we're 37.5%, mm. you know? Um, and I wouldn't say we compete with the no, with the no alcohol space because we have alcohol. Um, so, it really is about trying to educate and um, identify the right target audience and the right bars. And that's something that we're learning about every day. Um, we identify new areas, new avenues, new ways of working, new potential buyers. Um, you know, so for example, the corporate world is, okay. is big for us, you know, um, I never thought this would be the case, but football stadiums, certain areas in football stadiums um, who want to offer uh, a, a, a drink without people getting too drunk. You know, it's um, theatres are really big. Any kind of experience led uh, um, bar or, or, or theme. So as well, as well, of course, um, as, you know, as any other normal bar who want to cater to those people. Okay, and that's very interesting. I mean, and, and th thanks, th th <laughs> thanks for reminding me of that conversation we had. I, I, I didn't remember we went so much into the details. Uh, yeah, yeah. Time. It's, it's, it's great that you you made the the, the most of it, and and it, it sounds like from what I'm hearing that you know like when uh, when you're targeting the typologies of accounts, I mean, you did you did your homework on understanding where you wanted to sell. But then, like something also came out as as an outlier, and and then you just like popped up and said, like, "Oh wow, I never thought about this would sell." So, you know, it it feels like th this is something that I encounter a lot when I'm when I'm working that um, you you let the the analysis of your data like tell you basically like, "Okay, this is this is really interesting," and I would have never thought about it. Like, so the user and the the target consumer uh, are actually different uh, or let's say they, there is another user that I never thought would use the product. Yeah. And it sounds very interesting. And, and how, um, what's, what's the role in this one? Like what's the role of the, um, let's say your distribution part. I don't know if you're selling direct or, you know, through wholesalers and, you know, do, do you go, you know, do, let's say, do you, do you go there? regular routes kind of thing or or did you select specific for example wholesalers that are catering towards the the no and low space yeah it's a good question um not we we found the distribution route a bit difficult than i think most brands would because if we were no and low 
uh, look, you know, because I know the product we have is is very good. It's very premium. Um, it's award winning. So I know that if we went to a a wholesaler or a distributor which focuses on no and low, we'd be able to go in there and say, look, we're a no and low product. We fit into a category. Um, you know, let, let's give it a go. Um, like you know, likewise, if we were gin, you know, we've had some wholesalers who, who say we we won't be able to put you on our books because you're not a gin. Um, others who say, yeah, great, we think this, we think it's great. We, it, it's gin based, so we will put you in the gin category and we'll sell you. Others will uh, stick us behind, you know, other liquor, which is difficult for us because we don't get the visibility that we that we would do if we were just a, a wholesale category like gin uh, vodka rum so a lot of it we do ourselves um we have signed up to certain wholesalers who will distribute for us and uh, invoice for us etc but only if we organize the sale um but most of what we do is independent and that is probably the biggest blocker for us right now it's we're working with independent venues who have the ability to buy independently. Um, whenever we get a brand or, or a chain more so, uh, who say that we only, we only buy from this particular wholesaler, mm. you know, then we enter that whole catch 22, you know, where it's, we go to a wholesaler and they say, look, this brand one wants to, wants to stock us and they go, great. Can you bring me 30 more? And then I consider it. And then you go to 30 bars and they go, yeah, we'll buy you if you're on there and they have no interest in sort of really pushing it. So uh, we're kind of at that stage in regards to wholesalers and distributors right now. We have a couple of really exciting opportunities, which I'm not allowed to talk about just yet, no, which um, which I'd love to. I don't want you to mention them. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd love to. I'll, I'll let you know once once it goes live. Um, offline. Yeah, offline. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll text you. Um which, uh, which which would be great, but um, yeah, no. Right now, it's very difficult because not only are we trying to educate the bar managers, um, I say educate. That, that sounds quite uh, condescending. Uh, not educating the bar managers because they know much more than we do about the you know the um, about the industry and, uh, and and mixology, but more around what we are and where we fit and. Um, we're having to do the same with distributors as well. And Brad, like, tell me, tell me about your um, uh, your what I call like a city strategy. So when when you launched the brand, did you did you focus on 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 one city or did you go national right away in the in the UK? Uh, yeah. So when we launched originally, because we're called Spirit of Bermondsey and we're based within the Bermondsey area, and our product is inspired by the old spice warehouses in Bermondsey, which is the center of the gin craze when it first started. We've always been focused around London and and the areas around London. What we are planning to do in the near future is creating a bar manager tour where we're kind of reaching out to different bar managers in different cities. And we're saying to them, look, we're going to be in your city for a very short window uh, talking to as many bar managers as possible, educating you on this new product, showcasing this exciting new product. Do you want to be involved? And hopefully we get loads saying yes. We've already started to build this list up. So 
um eventually we'll be kind of doing a little tour around the uk if you will um focusing on bar managers and showing them what we're all about nice now this is very interesting because i mean i'm a, I'm a big advocate on you know always let's say securing your uh, home turf kind of thing and then mm. venturing uh elsewhere and this goes in line with the one one bottle in one in one in um, you know one case in one bar better than six bottles in six bars you know you can you can change that and make it cities or, yeah. or countries you know like i i see a lot of brands advertising on their website or in their brochure that you know we are sold in xyz countries and you know like cities but then i always wonder like you know the majority of your sales would anyway come from that one city or that one country anyway mm -hmm. so i really like what you're doing in terms of like focusing on london and i mean of course bermondsey being uh, you know on the thames and you know the, the the epicenter of london like it makes very very well sense um but was it was it really let's say thought through in you know what drove that strategy because that's the challenge with a lot of you know uh, brand owners and listeners mm. uh is like they want to grow faster no so they they get the allure of going like okay why don't i sell also to manchester and you know bristol and birmingham leeds and let, let's expand as soon as possible because i've got a bar there like in three but three bars in manchester that are interested and two bars yeah. in that are interested so what you know let's say what drove that decision and how did you kept how did you keep the you know the diligence of not going kind of like left and right yeah i think it's more about managing the the, the stockists really you know if, if we have um if we have 20 bars in london first who are repeat buyers then we know we have the income coming in from those bars we know we have the awareness coming in from those bars which means we build a foundation or a platform to then propel off if we had you know three bars in london two in bristol one in manchester it's will become a, a nightmare to try and manage uh those bars if they're your kind of your main platform of income because you're gonna have to travel to these bars talk to these bars regularly um, all, all around the UK, which is expensive. It's going to be quite hard to do. Um, but if you can build a good platform where you're based, then it allows you to branch out to these different areas um, with, with ease, knowing that you won't have to, st to stretch yourself or spread yourself quite thinly across the UK, um, which I think is a good advice for most um, most. Uh, brands and products why we chose Bermondsey is because uh, our uh, the co-founder is a is a, a counselor in the Bermondsey area so he's very very tied with helping people in Bermondsey so that's also why it's a it was chosen to, to launch there nice and would would you have changed like a bit of a, a cheeky question like would you have changed your <laughs> strategy if you were from a small town in the middle of some <laughs> some borough yeah some borough or, or, or some uh, you know like some village in the middle of nowhere yeah definitely i think brand story uh is a big part of of why people will buy into you um whether it's distributors bars um customers or consumers so i think having a good brand story um 
is, is really important. What that brand story is, I'll let people decide. Um, but I think, you know, our brand story is tied to a, a certain location. So for us, it was easy to say, we've got to start here and we're going to build from here. This is our, our hub. Um, if you're from a small town in the middle of nowhere, um, I wouldn't say that location needs to be your, your brand story. It can be something else, but, um, I would always start somewhere which you can access quite quickly and quite easily because the last thing you, you want to do is, um, you know, if you're based in the North of Scotland and you think, well, London is where it's the biggest capital. I'm going to make London my, my main epicenter. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to travel down from the north of Scotland to London every time you want to go hitting the streets and meeting bars and, yeah. uh, you know, um, and it's going to be expensive. It's going to be hard. If you focus on the, a town or city near where you're from and you can sell in on the, the local partnerships and supporting local, you're going to find you can build that platform uh, much quicker, much quicker and much, you know, much cheaper as well. So it will kind of, as a guarantee, but it, it certainly makes it, um, it increases your chance of success if you're able to actually, you know, be there a lot, be in that area a lot. And this is very interesting because the um, let's say this is also what I uh, what I always advise. But there is also like another another point on 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 this thing, which is which is also like you need to be relevant in your own. Uh, turf because otherwise they you know imagine like if people like started saying like okay like we are from bermondsey and you know like and nobody knows you around bermondsey mm. then it would be an issue so like in in that that is the challenge that all, all these small town have that small town brands have so and uh, i would say with this point like let's let's park it here like you know the, the let, let's let's stop the the, the hunting part uh, okay uh, cool this episode uh thanks a lot for for being here and we'll uh, we'll see each other shortly in the in the farming part and we will discuss on how how do we go from one case to to, to one from one bottle to one case sorry i was i was going too fast <laughs> so let's uh let's do that so thanks a lot for uh, for being here brad cheers chris yeah pleasure that's all for today so thank you for joining me on the mafeo drinks podcast I hope you have gained valuable insights in these episodes. If you have enjoyed the content, please review it and share it with friends and colleagues. I would really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and follow the Mafeo Drinks podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform. By doing so, you'll never miss an episode and you'll stay up to date with the latest interviews, stories, and strategies shared by industry experts. I truly appreciate your feedback and suggestions. So feel free to reach out to me on social media at Maffeo Drinks or through our website, maffeodrinks.com to share your thoughts, guest recommendations or topics you'd like to explore in future episodes. Until next time, cheers from the Maffeo Drinks podcast. And remember that brands are built bottom up.